0: I got. I got to say something. More of you knew victory in Jesus than I would have guessed. You guys were like singing today. I don't know. You got, had your coffee or what? But I mean, like I, I heard actual voices coming out, and some of them were decent. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Victory in Jesus. There's more Baptists out there than I thought there were. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, we are so glad that you're here. Welcome. Uh, Jordan Howerton Band. How about that? Love me some Jordan Howerton Band. Some of you are, uh, some of you are new. You don't, you don't realize. I mean, they're based out of uh, southern Missouri, and they travel around, do conferences all over. And we've kind of made them adjunct worship staff at Parkview. And we've hired them. like in, Whenever off weekends they're around, we, we try to get them in. It gives our team a break. And, and uh, I can tell you this now that we've had them enough that you love them. Um, Jordan is my wife's second cousin, so uh, I wasn't going to tell you that right up front, but now that you love him, I can tell you I, I married well, didn't I? I married well. Happy New Year's 2014, so that means more bacon, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know when it'll all die, but it's not going to die this week because Student Ministries Night this week, Tuesday night with high school, Wednesday night with junior high, and at Lockport, both nights on Wednesday night is bacon night, ladies and gentlemen. Now, they've been doing this for a lot of years. Uh, something, you know, it used to be you'd make pizza and you get the kids to come. No, no, it's bacon now. You just fry up hundreds of pounds of bacon and you have a bunch of bacon games. And it'd be a great way for your junior higher, senior higher to get to know some of the other ones around in, in, our, in our area and uh, we'd love to have them come out. And I want to say thank you to the uh, many of you who got me bacon paraphernalia for Christmas. Who knew there was bacon soda, bacon lip gloss, bacon detergent, bacon deodorant, bacon candles, bacon toothpicks, bacon Band-Aids, bacon T-shirts. Who knew there were bacon-scented dryer sheets (laughs) to make your clothes smell like bacon, okay? Um, but, But listen... Here's here's what's goofy about you people. Well, there's a lot, but this is what's goofy about you. Only one person gave me bacon. All right? I don't want to smell like bacon. I want bacon. All right? 2014 is pretty crazy. It's hard to write that on your checks, but we don't write checks anymore, do we? So that kind of works out good. Imagine what it was like in Jesus' day. I love this cartoon. There it goes. Still writing B.C. on my checks, right? Okay. I I say that because the good news for us is that the coming of Christ was so significant that it literally changed the calendar. It literally changed history in a brand new way. And I hope that that's good news of great joy for all you messy people because that's exactly what the new year brings for us is a chance to start over. It's a chance to, to switch the calendar around because the Savior was born. Uh, 20,000 plus people came at Christmas Eve. I want to thank you if you volunteered, if you helped out in any way. Over 2,000 more than last year. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, We keep figuring out how to make things happen. And I hope you're looking forward to 2014 in one way. If you made some resolutions or, or not, doesn't matter. We want 2014 to be better. And I believe that it can, not just because you can be a better person, but because, as the angel said, nothing is impossible with God. So let's think about some ways as we get a clean slate and start over that we can be better people. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be preaching. I'm going to start next week on this Making Room for Life series. The thing that, and and this is just me, I'm just going to preach to myself for the next few weeks because this is my problem. You may have a different problem than me, but my problem is I tend to get a little bit too busy and I tend to think that the world revolves a little bit too much about what I can get done. And I don't have sometimes room enough for the things that really need to happen. So, I want to encourage you to be here as we think about the priorities of the new year and how to get our calendar and our, and our physical and our spiritual life all put together in a way that we've got the priorities right in this coming year. I think it'll be life changing for you. I hope it's life changing for me. We're going to work on that together over the next four weeks, all right? What I want to do today is kind of a follow up to Christmas Eve, okay? Because I know that you, you come in and, and, and you, you know, some of you are new and you want to know what kind of church this is, and, and, and sometimes we don't communicate well, all right? I was in the Dominican Republic this week checking out a new mission that we're getting ready to send you to uh, where we can do short-term missions trips. And, uh, and, and, and on the way, I got on the plane in Miami like 9 o'clock on Friday night. And as I'm walking on the plane, there's another guy on the plane that I knew. He was on this mission trip with us. And he and the guy next to him were just laughing up a storm. And so, you know, on the way down the aisle while the people are sticking their bags up and stuff, I'm like, tell me what's so funny. The other guy said, a man who did not speak English, obviously, was going through security in Miami, and the security guy was saying, you need to take your belt off because it's going to set off the uh, you know, alarm. So he just pointed to the guy's belt, and the guy didn't understand any English. So the guy undid his belt, took his pants off, <clears throat> put him on the line, and ran him through and went through security in his underwear. Okay? And sometimes, you know, I mean, we're just so used to things that we don't realize that, that sometimes we don't communicate effectively. And what, by all means, I don't want you to drop your pants today. So, so let me talk you through a little bit more of a follow-up to what I meant by this quote. All right. Some people want to live within the sound of the chapel bell, but I want to run a mission, a yard from the gates of hell. I read that on Christmas Eve and I want you to understand a little bit about who we are. Now, again, we have a What We Believe class coming up January 19th here at the Orland campus, 29th at Lockport. It's got a bigger, bigger view of who we are, but, but what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about the uh, four signs that you will see at Parkview. Kind of use that as my, as my message, and then as you walk around, you will see them, and I think it'll help you to understand a lot, because signs tell us a lot about things, right? Like this sign tells me that this guy ought to be fired, right? Um. This sign tells me that this guy shouldn't drink and make road signs. This sign tells me that the people are dumber than the people that they're trying to write to. How do you write for free help if you're illiterate, right? Or how about this? Uh, This is another one of those translation things from another language, right? For restrooms, go back towards your behind. (laughs) Thanks, I never knew how that worked. Or, you know, I, I just... I call this the Monty Python sign because you never know when a cow's going to fall off the cliff. What is that communicating to you? This is my favorite. Just another, you know, maybe punctuation would be helpful. Kids with gas ought to be strapped to the top of the family truckster, as far as I'm concerned, okay? But the the truth of the matter is signs are going to tell us one thing or another about the place where we're at. And, And unfortunately, with churches, you don't always see what their signs are. That's why these signs are actual signs that you will see around Parkview. This is a sign James Dobson said he saw one time out in California. No trespassing. Violators will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Signed, the Sisters of Mercy. How's that working for you? The problem is this is the way it is in a lot of churches. They may not have a real no trespassing sign up, but if you walk in and your skin's a different color, or you're wearing the wrong clothes, or maybe you, know, you, you don't know, which, you know whether to take your belt or your pants off, and you're not really sure what's going on, they're going to make you feel very unwelcome there. Because it's their little chapel bell place. You know what I'm saying? And I just want you to understand that that's not who we are. We're running a, a mission a yard from the gates of hell. That, that's what we're all about. As a matter of fact, one of my buddies, this is kind of my, my illustration for this. You know what this is? This is a club, right? To keep people from ripping off your car. Uh, back before car alarms even existed, but they still sell them today. Very effective tool. You cr- cr- put it in your car and, you know, unless they cut this thing, they can't, they can't steer your car. They can't steal it. Well, I had a friend who uh, was, lived across the street in, uh, in Richmond Park from a church that just put up basketball goals at their church. And he said, I was watching as they were putting up basketball goals, and I thought, this is going to be so great. All the kids from the neighborhood will be able to come over and, and play basketball I'll give them something to do. They won't be running around doing something else. And he said, after they got the goals up, I went by there one day, and I, and I, and I saw that they had installed the club inside the basketball rim so that nobody could use the basketball goal unless it was the appointed church time and the appointed church people. And that's so why I got this. This is kind of, a, it's kind of a memento of what the church ought to not be about. Because if, if we're going to run a mission a yard from the gates of hell, everybody's got to be welcome here. We, we can't be putting the club up. We can't be putting up these signs saying no trespassing, sign the Sisters of Mercy. It just doesn't make any sense. All right? I was in the Dominican Republic this week. I know you hate me because literally on Tuesday it was 100 degrees warmer where I was than where you were literally not windchill I mean literally it was 100 degrees different but it was a missions trip. There were barking chihuahuas all night and sleeping on a foam pad on a bunk bed, just like you're going to do when you go down there. But, but we went down to find a new short-term missions ter- place for you to go. We want you to go somewhere. And the DR is only an hour and a half flight out of Miami. It's easy to get in and out of. This organization, a Friend of Mine Runs, is a really good at, at running short-term trips and helping to do things down there. And there's a lot of poverty there. They're in Dominican and in Haiti. And, uh, and the Haitians that come to the Dominican are looked down on and so there's a lot of ministry that happens to them in the slums so it's a great place for us to go but he, I started talking about well what could Parkview do, do to get involved and he said well listen I know you pretty well and he said I've got this problem we've got this we've got this place where we really want to plant a church but it's in the tobacco growing region of the Dominican most of the people there grow tobacco and make cigars and he said, the problem is, as I've talked to a lot of churches about helping us plant a church there. They get a little uneasy because they don't want to go back and tell their people that the church that they sponsor is full of people who make cigars. So guess where we're planting a church? <laughs> yeah, right there. Because churches make me crazy. Don't they make you crazy? I mean, we've been such hypocrites looking down at someone who smokes a cigar, looking down on someone who drinks a beer while we go to our church potlucks and eat cake and drink carbonated sugar water acid. I mean, I'm not advocating any of this stuff, okay? I'm not advocating any of it, but your poison isn't any better than their poison. And they're just trying to make a living. And I'm not advocating it. I'm just telling you that's where we're going because those are people that nobody else wants. And that's where Jesus would be, okay? I had lunch last weekend uh, with Alan Robertson, the Duck Dynasty preacher brother. He's become a friend of mine. He was speaking in Naperville. So we went up and had lunch on Saturday in the, in the middle of the storm. I had a little bit of time before I turned around and went to the DR. And he told me, and I mean, then you know, they've had a lot of controversy over Phil's comments and, and all this kind of stuff. He said, oh, that was nothing compared to the controversy that we got because we started a wine label. They have a Duck Dynasty wine label. I don't know if it's any good. I haven't tried it. But that was so offensive to so many of their Christian brothers and sisters that it was this huge storm. That you know, how could Duck Dynasty have a wine label? Because you know, I mean, Jesus turned water into what? Prune juice? I mean, I I, I get really confused. Okay. So I think if Jesus came to town, these are, you feel me? This, This is what I want to explain to you with these signs. These are the signs that I think that Jesus would want to see on a church. Okay. First one is this. Come as you are. All right, let me talk about the outside. It's a dual-meaning sign. A couple of these have dual meanings. Come as you are. This was a sign, a billboard that we had up when we first moved to Orland Park 11 years ago from Tenley Park. We put this sign up to try to get some interest and uh, you know, it said, we're a relaxed fit and it has jeans on it. You kind of knew right up front, that this church was going to be a little bit different. And it was quite a bit different back in that day. This day it's not quite so different. But let me help you to understand this. all right? When I was growing up, and, and those of you that knew Victory and Jesus were growing up, you gave of your best to the Master on Sunday. You got up, you dressed up, you went to church. And I'm, frankly, I, I understood that, I liked that, I missed that. Because I looked good in a suit. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you. At uh, one time, I bought a suit up at the mall, and, uh, and the guy that was selling me the suits, you know, he's trying to schmooze me a little bit, and he said, oh, I tried on this suit. He said, dude, that suit is a chick magnet. I said, well, that's not really going to help me. I'm a pastor. I, mean, I got a really good discount after that, you know? But hey, I get the concept, you know? Uh, as one philosopher says, as long as I got my suit and tie, I'm going to leave all on the floor tonight, right? Or, for you Duck Dynasty fans... Every girl's crazy about a shop dress, man. You know what's funny about that? I bet there's a whole generation of people that don't even know where that song came from. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, that, that, that's easy top, guys, okay? I get that. And back in the day, dressing up was important. But the culture has changed, so we need to change. And the problem with the Sunday best scenario is, is dual. The first part is that some people just don't have a Sunday best. Honestly, I only have one suit anymore. One black suit, my Marian and Barian suit. That's all I've got. And most people don't have that um, you know, in, in their wardrobe at all, so they can't come and dress up. The second problem is that many people in our culture see dressing up as covering up. And, and, and God is not interested in my outside. Back in Jesus' day, they had the same problem. And Jesus said, "'Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees.'" They had these fancy robes that they wore to church. You're hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look all good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. So here's the deal. Dress however you want. You look good in a suit and tie. Wear it, man. That's great. If you don't want to dress up on Sunday, then don't. Dress up on Saturday, whatever. Wear enough clothes. That's the rule, okay? (laughs) That's all I ask. But the meaning of come as you are is much deeper than the outside. You noticed in your top five thing there that we're getting ready to have a seminar called Troubled Minds where we're going to talk about mental illness. You've got to understand, I have a lot of mental illness in my family. Both sides of my family, we have mental illness there. and Obviously, become close with Rick Warren who just lost a son to mental illness and it's going to be a big project for them as time goes on. This is, Come as you are with your doubts. Come as you are with your mental Illness, Come as you are with your physical illness. Come as you are with your broken hearts. Come as you are with your theology that doesn't mesh with mine. Come as you are with your family problems and your sins and your failures and your mistakes. You are welcome here. I'll tell you this story as carefully as I can because it's the the story. You know, every once in a while I have a story that tells me that we're doing the right thing. Like the guy that thought WWJD was We Want Jack Daniels. I, I got another one from Christmas Eve. right? Um, As the cleaning crew was cleaning up after Christmas Eve, one of them looked down on the floor and found a little foil square packet that had an unused uh, birth control device inside of it. You following me? I'm I'm trying to be, you know, politically correct here. Found a a Trojan on the floor, all right? And... um, and I started thinking about it, and I thought, you know what, that makes me really happy. Because what, what, the, only, the only way that that could be on the floor, in my mind, is that somebody decided at the Christmas Eve service that they were welcome here, first of all, and, and second of all, they decided to probably give something to the people that are less fortunate than them. And so they reached in their wallet, and in the process of getting money out, Dropped there in case of emergency on the floor. So just realize that next year when you see baby Jesus on the stage for Christmas Eve, <laughs> he might literally be the gift of last year's Christmas offering. Okay? But that, that, that really made me happy. Because that's the kind of that's the kind of scenario that ought to be happening in the church that Jesus Christ existed to to, to bring us. Okay? Because it's not about cleaning up your act. Again, this is about the shepherds. This was about Rahab. That's what we're talking about. Again, Jesus said it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, I've come to call the sinners. That's what he's here for. And Jesus didn't sin, but he hung out with them. And the religious folks were always uncomfortable because Jesus was with those people. And, And then what happens is as we, as we exist as Christianity, we start to get wrapped up in our rules and regulations again. I read the book of Galatians while I was in the Dominican Republic because I had to go back and remember that by the time Paul had to write Galatians, the church had already fallen back into legalism again. And, and it was circumcision for them. They were saying, oh no, don't forget to get circumcised. And Paul said, no, 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 that's not what it's about. It's about the grace of Jesus. And Jesus is about the beginning, not about the end. Some of you for 2014, you need to get baptized. You've been thinking, well, I gotta get my act together before I get baptized. Do you take a shower before you take a bath? This doesn't make any sense to me. You need to jump in the tub and say, hey, here I come. I'm gonna do this. God, I need your power in my life. Because that's when transformation happens, when God is inside, not when you fix it. Your New Year's resolution is bogus. Unless the nothing is impossible, God is working inside of you. And transformation should happen. It can happen. It will happen. Some people come just as they are, Billy Graham used to say, "Sing just as, they, just as I am and lead just as they were. That's not the way it is. Something's getting missed there. The gospel has the power to transform you, but you can't do it on your own. You just have to come. <clears throat> Jesus said, come all who are, what? Got their act together? No all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's where you're going to find your rest is through Jesus. He said, come, whoever's thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Anybody, doesn't matter what you drop on the floor, anybody is welcome, all right? And I I need you to help me with this. I was surprised by how many people could sing victory in Jesus just now, but, but the truth is I know a lot of you are uncomfortable with the whole church situation. You haven't been to church since a wedding or a funeral, and you grew up in a situation where you weren't sure if you're supposed to stand up or kneel or sit or what you know what you're supposed to say, and so you're a little uncomfortable. Please help us to help you. If you see things that we do that that make it harder for you to feel the come as you are sign, I want to know it. Which leads me to the second sign, which you may think sounds a lot like the first one, but it's not. The second sign is you matter to God. People are searching for something that has significance in their life. Some of them are good things. Some of them are bad. But, but you need to understand that you're not just welcome at a church. You're not just welcome to worship God. You actually matter to God. Every once in a while, you need to realize that the God of the universe loves you so much that He would have sent His Son to die on a cross for just you. And the, to me, there is nothing like... A, <clears throat> Being in the Dominican Republic this week, being able to look up, you know, be away from everything and look up at the stars and, and, and realize that God is so vast and so amazing and I am just a little stinking speck. And He doesn't need me to save the world because He's got the whole world in His hands. But to realize that God loves me, that He can look down on all of that and loves me. He created me and He loves me. That's got to be a sign that hangs at every church. And it's one of our theme verses is Ephesians 3. I pray that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. You need to understand that the God of heaven loves you so much. He is your heavenly Father. And He cares about you. And you might not matter to your spouse. You might not matter to your parents or your kids or your boss or anybody else in life right now. But you matter to God. It's more than just your welcome. It's that you matter to God. So here's what I want you to do. I need you to to do this with me. Repeat this after me. I matter to God. And that's all that matters. Couldn't that like change your new year? Let's just do that again. I matter to God. And that's all that matters. One more time. I matter to God. Say it like you mean it. And that's all that matters. I mean, really, that is all that matters, isn't it? That you are a child of God. That, that, that God's love is wide and high and long and deep for you. That you are a son of God, Paul said. I read this this week. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out Daddy, Father. Because the Spirit's living inside of us. I am no longer a slave, I'm a son. And since I'm a son, God has made me an heir. you got to understand that. I, I spared you the, the scene from the singing version of Les Mis, but there's a, there's a great, great line in Les Mis. I mean, Victor Hugo did this amazing job writing this whole story of Redemption. It's such a beautiful play. And you, if you saw the movie or you've, you've been around the play before, you know Jean Valjean is this really good guy who is himself a, a recovered thief and a person who's been given grace. And he finds this, uh, this woman, Fantine, who has been fired from employment with him. He didn't do it, but she's been fired from him and she's got an illegitimate child named Cosette and, and she... Ends up becoming a prostitute. I mean, that, that's kind of the story I was thinking about with Rahab when I was talking about it at Christmas Eve. We don't know why people choose the lifestyles that they choose. And usually it's not for a reason that they could, they could really avoid. That's why Jesus would always love them. So, Jean Valjean, in this beautiful moment in this play, says, You know, Cosette, when you are, or, or, or Fantine, when you are well, I'm going to find you a job. And she's on her deathbed. She's not going to get better. And Fantine says, you don't understand, I'm a whore. And Cosette has no father. And Jean Valjean says, she has the Lord, and He is her father. And you are His creation. And in His eyes, you have never been anything but an innocent and beautiful woman. If somebody needs to say that to you today, if somebody needs to say that to you this year, then I just did. You, know, you come as you are and you understand that you matter to God, that He loves you, you're His child. The third sign may seem a little weird, but I've got to explain it. It's another dual meaning sign. The first part, slow children at play. first part of this sign means that um, children are always going to be important here. Why is that? Because as I've studied the life of Jesus, I realize that Jesus is very serious about making sure that children get the opportunity to know Him. He says, see to it that you do not look down on one of these little ones. He actually became angry. One of the few times he got angry was when they blocked children from coming to him. So we're going to be a church that doesn't let that happen. What do you think, Jesus says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 to go find the lost one? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he's happier about the one that was lost than the 99 that did not wander off. And in the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. That's how much he cares about them. And a vast majority of people make a decision for Christ before they're 18. So we want to catch your children early. And children's ministry is going to be important here. It always has been. Understand this. I've been here at, at this church for 24 years. My oldest daughter is 26 and a half. She was two and a half. My other two were born here. They were raised, they cut their teeth on the ministry, the children's ministry, and the student ministry of Parkview Christian Church. And I'm not making a statement right now by what I'm going to tell you, but I want you to understand that my kids didn't go to Christian school, right? They didn't. They went to public school. We we liked the experience that we had. We wanted them to be where they were. So the only experience they had with Jesus Christ outside of the home, which is obviously the most important thing and obviously the most important for you, but the only experience they had outside of that was through Parkview's ministry through the CIY and the summer camps and the things that went on here. That's how important it was. As a matter of fact, it was so important that when Denise and I moved here and we only had one child that was a, you know, still a toddler, we made a commitment. This church was small. There was not a student ministry program at all. We made a commitment that by the time Rachel got to junior high, if we were not in a place that, at this church where they had a good student ministry, we weren't big enough or just didn't work or whatever, we would leave. We made that commitment with each other that we would leave and go someplace because we felt that strongly. I did youth ministry before I took this church. We felt that strongly about the student ministry and Bacon Night and the things that we do to help the young people have a place to belong. And I'm happy to say that not only did we have one, we had a great one. And my kids love Jesus and they're serving Jesus and I owe a big gratitude to the ministry that's gone on at Parkview Christian Church. That's why that sign will always be there. And my grandkids probably won't go to this church because they'll probably live somewhere else. I get that. But yours will and your kids will. And there's a whole nother generation that needs this. So you need to understand that our children's ministry is not babysitting. If your kids are back in there, I had somebody come up to me last night and they said, the first weekend we came, we went to Parkview and then like, we went to Chuck E. Cheese and we went to a movie and we had this really busy, great weekend. And we got to Sunday night and we were putting the kids to bed and, and we said, well, what was the favorite part of your weekend? And all their kids said, going to church at Parkview over Chuck E. Cheese, okay? Because it's a good, good program. So while you're clapping, get your Just Try It card out, because now you've got to do something about it, all right? Aha, uh-huh, I caught you, all right? Seriously, every, every twice a year we do this Just Try It thing because we need more help. We've just grown by a bunch of people, and we've got more kids. I mean, we had so many new families sign up at Christmas Eve to get their kids in the program, and we've got new doors to handle for ushers and greeters, and we need more help around here. So I want to encourage you to do just try something. Just try something, some serving way. we got five services a weekend. You could serve one and worship at another one and find something that you can do. Just write your name down and we'll we'll call you about anything or we'll email you whatever you want about anything that you could do. I mean, we've got all kinds of specialized things that you could do, but, but we could just use some help in children's ministry and with our guest services and some of those things. That would be fantastic. Fill this out. Throw it in the offering on your way out. Or give it to one of the people with the balloons or whatever and and, and just try it. If you don't like it, it's all good. But just try it. The other side of this sign, however, is for us. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Such as these. People who are like kids. Yeah, that's what he said. He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What do you mean by that? Well, certainly he meant in humility and trust and faith like a child. I will have a faith like a child. Devotion like a child. But I think it goes deeper than that. I think it means we ought to lighten up. We shouldn't be taking ourselves so seriously. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You should lighten up. Do you know the sociologists tell us that kids laugh, hundreds of times a day and adults laugh 30 times a day. Something happens to us along the way and we end up taking ourselves way too seriously. I mean, we need to slow down, we need to celebrate. God was always telling His people, go have a party, go have a feast, right? Jesus was always going to parties. I think that we ought to wake up every weekend, whatever day we go to church, and say, yippee, it's Saturday, yippee, it's Sunday, it's church day. I get to go to church today. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's what it should be like. Jesus said, I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So I want to tell you something. If you're going to be a part of this church, you need to understand we're going to have some fun. It's never going to be too serious around here. I'm just going to tell you. And if you remember that old Robin Williams movie, Patch Adams, where he's the medical student who decides that everybody just needs to laugh more and they feel better, you can call me Pastor Patch because that's exactly the way it's going to be. I believe there's so much junk going on in the world that every once in a while we just need to lighten up and we just need to laugh. We just need to know that the God of the universe welcomes us, that we matter to Him, and we ought to be a little bit more like a kid. Okay? Sign number four. Um... I think it's the coup de grace. I think this this is the most important one. Grace happens. Because the Hebrew writer said, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. It is preeminent. It is the most important thing I could give you is the grace of God. When you're playing golf and you mess up and you're playing with some really nice people, every once in a while somebody will say, here, take a mulligan, and they will throw you another ball and give you a chance to hit it all over again. That's what God does in our life. You need to know that. I want you to live a life that glorifies God in every way. But every once in a while, I'm going to mess up. Every once in a while, you're going to mess up. And we need the grace of God to cover us. That's what needs to happen. A woman wrote me this testimony. She said, I've been a Christian all my life, and I went to church and youth group, but I struggled with the legalistic ways of my upbringing. I always felt guilty. I never felt good enough. My husband and I looked for a church and we found Parkview. She said, the music you know, had to grow on me, but now I can't imagine a church without our current music time. But most of all, she said, I can be myself at PCC. I can learn, I can grow, I can make mistakes and be myself without being judged or looked down upon. Here's what she said that I really thought was interesting. I felt like people were praying for me because they really loved me when I messed up and not because they wanted to save my backsliding soul. No matter how big we get, Parky still feels like family. I, I, hope, that, I hope that you understand that, 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 that. See to it that nobody misses the grace of God. That, that's the most important thing I could give you. I'm not saying it's okay to screw up. Please don't. You're going to make your life harder. I'm just saying that when you do, that grace happens. And I'm going to try to preach that way. You know, there are different ways that preachers preach. Matt Chandler is a pastor down in Dallas and he talked about how he was friends with this woman who had a a child with, you know, no father in the picture and she was in a relationship with another guy and he was becoming friends with this woman and and he, 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 he wanted to help her find Jesus but she'd always felt nothing but condemnation from the church. So she didn't feel like she could come as she, were, as she was or that she mattered to God or, or that she could relax or that grace happened. So he took her to church one night and he said his friend was doing worship at this church and he didn't know the preacher, but he you know, figured it would probably be a good opportunity. I'll take her to church. So he takes this friend of his to church and the worship was great and the preacher got up and said, I want to talk about biblical sexuality tonight. And he said, I just cringed a little bit and I prayed a lot. Because I know you can handle the topic of biblical sexuality in a way that gives grace and that people can understand. And you can do the issue of biblical sexuality in a way that is judgmental and legalistic. And he said, unfortunately, it was the latter. He said, the guy got out and he had a rose in his hand. And he said, look at this rose. Isn't it beautiful? And he said, here, pass it around. I want everybody to see this rose. And he went on a tirade for 30 minutes about how God wants biblical sexuality to be, how God wants this to be this way. And if you're doing it wrong, you're a sinner and you're in, you know, the dangers of the fire of hell. And, you know, did the whole thing that way. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I preach on biblical sexuality. I believe that God has a design. And, and I want, you know, understand that. We will talk about that. Probably going to do a whole series on that later on in the year. We're going to talk about that. But it's, if it comes from the attitude of let me help you with your life, it's one thing. If it comes from the attitude of let me condemn you in your life, it's another. Okay? You understand? And that's what this guy did. And then at the end of his message, he said, let me have the rose. Where's the rose? And somebody in the crowd handed it back to him. And of course, by this time, the rose had been handled by so many people that it was... Petals had fallen off and it was all beaten up and it looked horrible. And he said, Now look at this. Do you see what happened? Who would want this rose? The chandler said, It was all I could do not to stand up and say, Jesus wants the rose. Jesus still wants the rose. Jesus died for all the sexual sins, he died for all the sins, period. And Jesus still wants the rose. You say, well, you know, I've done way too much. No grace happens. I've walked away from God. No grace happens. I've had an affair. Grace happens. I've been divorced. Grace happens. I've been to prison. Grace happens. I've had an abortion. Grace happens. I got an addictive behavior. Grace happens. I've been a religious hypocrite. Join the club. Grace happens. God says, come, let's talk this over. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you clean as the freshly fallen snow. That's why I like to talk about this at the new year. It's a new time. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far He has removed my sins from me. Another passage says that He's thrown it into the deepest part of the sea. He takes all of our sins and He throws them into the sea that we will never ever find them again unless you decide to go fishing for them, which I would encourage you not to because that's the whole idea is grace happens. That's the whole idea of communion that we're getting ready to take is that you get to come and you get to celebrate the fact that the body was broken of Jesus and the blood of Jesus was shed to cover over your sins, and that's why grace happens. I saw a sign on a recycle truck one time that said, just redo it. That is the message of the cross. That is the message of communion. Not to say, oh, well, good thing I got grace and go out to live however you want, okay? Okay. You don't get a a mulligan. Can I just stay on the mulligan thing? You don't get a mulligan so that you can hit the same shot or that you can hit a worse shot. I mean, sometimes that happens, right? But you get a mulligan to do better, to go back out there and make the shot that you were hoping to make in the first place. That's what grace is for. It's not an excuse. It's a freedom. I'm not judged every time I mess up. Because Jesus paid it all. (laughs) And that means all. One of my favorite stories along this line is from Tony Campolo. He wrote about a time when he was in... uh Hawaii. He's from Philadelphia, so the time change is you know drastic, as as you've experienced if you've gone sideways. That's why I love the DR, because you're kind of going south. You're not changing time zones like when we go to Africa or someplace. He was in Hawaii, a different time zone. What happens when you're going that direction is you wake up at 3 in the morning and you're hungry, because it's like 8 in the morning for you and you want breakfast, right? So he woke up at 3 in the morning. He was hungry. There was no place open except this greasy diner. He went into this greasy diner and uh, sat down at the counter and ordered a donut and a, and a bad cup of coffee. And he said, The man behind the counter was unkempt, unshaven man named Harry. And Harry handed me a donut, and about that time, the door burst open and eight or nine boisterous prostitutes came walking in. He said, I began to feel even more uncomfortable, but the prostitutes sat down at the counter next to me because there was no place else, and I listened in on their conversation. One of the women said, Tomorrow's my birthday, I'll be 39. A friend said, so what do you want from me? You want a party or something? Maybe you want me to bake you a cake? The first woman, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me, Tony. The, the first woman, whom he later found out was named Agnes, said, why are you so mean? I, I don't want anything from you. I never wanted anything from you. I've never had a birthday party. I've never had a birthday cake. So shut up. At that point, Tony said, I got an inspiration. When the ladies left, he turned to Harry behind the counter. He said, so do they come in every night? I said, yeah, they do. He said, the one next to me, Agnes? Yeah, same time, just like clockwork. They come in every night. So Tony said, hey, let's throw her a party tomorrow night, a birthday party. Tomorrow's her birthday. Harry began to crack a little smile and called to his wife, who was back in the kitchen cooking, and said, hey, this crazy guy out here wants to have a birthday party tomorrow for Agnes. And that sounded like fun. And they agreed that it would be a great idea, and they made plans. And Tony said, I'll get the cake. The next night, Tony came back. The place was decorated with crepe paper and a happy birthday Agnes sign on the wall. It had been cleaned up. It looked like a different place. And they sat down and waited. And Tony came in and put the cake on the counter. Word had gotten around about this, and pretty soon... Prostitutes from all over Honolulu were were filling the place for Agnes' birthday. And at just the right time, Agnes and her friends burst through the door and everyone said, Happy birthday, Agnes. And her knees buckled a bit. Her friends caught her. She looked up, just stunned, just completely surprised. And they all started to sing Happy Birthday while they pointed to the birthday cake on the counter. Tony said, Agnes just stared at the cake. Finally, they convinced her to blow out the candles and Harry handed her a knife. Agnes looked so lovingly at this cake. Tony said it was like it was the most precious thing she'd ever seen. And she said, do I have to cut it? Harry said, well, no, I don't guess you have to cut it. It's your cake. Then she said something even more strange. She said, could I just keep it for a little while? I don't live very far from here. Can I take it home? I want to show my mom. Everybody looked at her with a puzzled look and said, well, sure, it's your cake. She picked up the cake and carried it off, Tony said, as if it was the Holy Grail, back to her little apartment where her and her mother lived. There was a stunned silence, and Tony said, I I didn't know what to do, so I did the only thing I could think of, and I said, what do you say we pray? (laughs) Picture this scene, a Christian sociologist surrounded by every prostitute in Honolulu in a greasy restaurant, praying. But he did. Simple prayer. He prayed for Agnes, that somehow she would meet Jesus, that she would find salvation, that she would know that that God wants her to come as she is, and that she matters to God, and that she can just be a child in her daddy's arms, and that grace happens. He said amen, and the party resumed. Harry turned to him and said, hey, I didn't know you were a preacher. Tony said, well, I'm not really a preacher. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm a sociologist. And Harry said, well, what kind of church do you come from anyway? Tony said, inspired by the Spirit of God, I said, I guess I come from a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 o'clock in the morning. And Harry said, no, you don't. There's no such church like that, because if there was a church like that, I'd join it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, to the best of my ability and our ability, you have just found a church like that. We welcome you to come home. My youngest daughter is on a plane back to L.A. to go back to school. A lot of you have gone through that, it's kind of bittersweet. And I'm like, yay, get the house back. But, you know, um, it, would, it would just kill me if one of my daughters was away and didn't think they were welcome, didn't think that I missed them terribly, and didn't think that they could possibly ever deserve to come home again. It would kill me. And you know, Those of you who are parents, you'll give up your frequent flyer miles. You'll pay whatever it is. You'll make whatever happen that needs to happen so that your kid can come home. Well, at communion time, God didn't have frequent flyer miles. He didn't have cash. It took a sacrifice much deeper than anything we would ever give of His Son so that those of us who are also sons and daughters could come home. At communion time, we give you the opportunity to accept. This is a way to punch your ticket back home. And it's immediately available to you right now. Let's pray together. Lord, there are people in this room that have been gone from home for a while and maybe they were in a church that had the nose trespassing sign up or had the had club over the basketball goal and they just never felt like they were worthy to go back in there. Lord, help them to know that You died for the rose. You want the rose. You love the rose. And for them, let this act of communion be a way of coming back home. Turning around and saying, Jesus, I, I want to be back. There are others in this room who've never even made a step towards you in their life, and they need to do that right now, just to maybe crack the door open. Maybe they don't even know what they believe. Maybe they don't even understand any of this, but, but something in their heart feels right, because they can feel that you're knocking. Just let them open the door, whatever that means to them. Just to say, Jesus, if you're there, come in. There are others that are ready to walk across a line of faith that they've not ever crossed and say, I want, to, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to do this, Lord. I I need Your grace. I believe. Because whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. I want Your joy in my life. I'm coming to You weary and burdened, and I need rest. Others need to take the step of baptism. Others need to take the step of service. Maybe there's something that we need to do for You in a way of serving You. I don't know what that is, but Lord... Let it be out of gratitude for being in the family and not as something in our minds as we see as an entrance requirement for that. Because You already paid it all. All to You we owe. As we commune right now, Lord, be with us. Help us to understand that grace happens. And it's happening right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.